today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. Jesus said this in Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Apostle Paul said this in Colossians 3, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Hey, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. In today's message, Pastor Eric challenges us to examine our hearts and ask ourselves where our focus lies. Are we preoccupied with the temporary physical things that we need or want? Or is our focus on eternal things? As we seek God in the spiritual, we'll learn that we can trust Him to provide for our physical needs as well. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part one of his message, Where is Your Focus? John 6, uh, we'll be in verse 22 today uh, through 40. And as we've been looking at John chapter 6, we've been seeing Jesus doing uh, some mighty things, starting out with the feeding of the 5,000, then walking on the sea, the Sea of Galilee, delivering the disciples from a time of a storm. And now we see that he catches back up with the multitude that he fed, uh, the great multitude. Uh, It was 5,000, 5,000 men. But the Bible doesn't include the women and children were there. And so there was much more, I'm sure, of that were there. And so today we will see them coming to Jesus. And so I titled the message this morning, if you're a note taker, where is your focus? Where is your focus? So let's pick up by reading verse 22 through 26, and we'll kind of go through it and see what the Lord has for us this morning. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but the disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into the boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So yes, Jesus and his disciples are not on the other side of the Galilee. They are in Capernaum. Capernaum. Eight miles across the sea. That's where they are at. And so the next day we see that the multitude of people came seeking after Jesus. They came looking for him. I mean, because he just has done a great mighty work, right? Taking five loaves of barley bread and two small fish and giving thanks to God, and then he multiplied it so that they could eat. Not only could they eat, but they could be filled, stuffed, right? And so the people came seeking Jesus once again. But to their surprise, Jesus was not there anymore. And so what did they do? We see in our text that they found other boats and came across the sea. They traveled eight miles across the sea to find Jesus. Pretty pretty amazing. Traveling. I mean, we travel 
Some of us travel from a far distance to come to the church, right? But could you imagine traveling over a sea every morning to see Jesus? Man, it'd be insane. Would you do it? I would wonder how long it would take to go around the land. No, I'm just kidding. So Jesus responds to the people after they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? I mean, because they were thinking, when did he leave? Well, we know that he left during the fourth watch of the night between the times of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And so they didn't know because they were obviously probably sleeping at that time. And so they asked him, when did you get here? But Jesus didn't really answer that question, did he? No, he didn't. Verse 26 Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Jesus responds by saying, You seek me not because of what I had done in a sense of revealing my kingship to you, but you seek me because your bellies were full. That's why you're coming after me, is because you're full on food. The people did not seek Jesus because of the sign that he performed. They sought him because of a physical fulfillment that he gave them. Well, what was the sign? I mean, like really, what was the sign that Jesus performed for the people? What did he do? Jesus fulfilled the word of God to the people, to the multitude. See, Jesus was moved with compassion for these people. Do you remember? I mean, it was a time when the people uh, came to him. He, was, he had been healing their sick, those who were diseased. But him and his disciples, they went across the sea so that they could be alone together and to spend some time in prayer. But the people followed Jesus. So they started following him because of uh, healings, because of him healing the people. And so when Jesus saw this great multitude coming towards him, the Bible says that he was moved with compassion towards them. When the disciples said, we can't feed them, he then fed them. But Jesus was moved with compassion. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And so what did he have them do? If you guys recall, in earlier John 6, he had them sit in green pasture. Because it was springtime in the Sea of Galilee. He had them sit in green pasture, which paints a beautiful picture of sheep lying down in green pasture. Just as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 23, 2, which says this, he makes, them, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You see, Jesus brought more than just healing. He brought more than physical food to the multitude. He illustrated that he was and is the great shepherd. A one who cares for man. One who leads them by still waters. One who has compassion on all man. But it's obvious that the people didn't understand this. They didn't, they didn't, it didn't register in their minds. They didn't get it. Based on the response that Jesus said to them. They came after Jesus because of a physical thing. They came to Jesus for the physical not the spiritual. Jesus said this in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The apostle Paul said this in Colossians 3. 
If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Hey, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. He also said, Paul also said to the church in Corinth, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So true is this for us. What a great reminder it is for us this morning to look at those that are spiritual things. Those things that are in heaven where Christ is at, at the right hand of God. But many of us can get so focused, including myself, so focused on the physical things around us. The things that we see, because that's the easy thing to do, to focus on, because that's what you see. (laughs) But yet, we're reminded in God's word this morning is to seek the things that are in heaven. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Because the things that we see are temporary. But the things that we do not see, those things are eternal. These verses would imply that we should seek first the kingdom of God. Our focus ought to be on the spiritual versus the physical. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? It sounds so easy to say, focus on the things of above. But if you're like me, the things of this world come flooding in constantly. And it's hard to get your mind off of those things. In a sense, they just, they flood. It's like a flood. Have you guys ever been around raging waters that are above uh, the river banks? The waters just continue to come and you're like, they're coming from every single direction. Well, that's how the thoughts of this world can be. They're coming, they're flooding in on you. And it's like, they're overcoming you. And it's like, how do I think of things of above when all I see is all these different things of the world coming into my life? Stresses at job, stresses with kids, raising kids, dealing with people, (laughs) issues going on with somebody, something's happening, something always is happening. And these are things that are, you know, maybe they're physical ailments, things that you just dwell on, you think on, and it takes your, this takes your mind power on these things. How in the world do you think of things of above? Honestly, I think it takes discipline. It takes a desire. A desire and reminding yourself who you love. You love Jesus Christ. But the things that you think of, the things that are around you, the physical things, in a sense, you're thinking of the things that are dealing with yourself, and so therefore there's pride that is involved. Focusing on the things that concern you constantly. But the thing is, is that God has told us to give us, give Him all things. That's so easy in saying that, but it's hard to do that. To give Him all things. To th- just say, I surrender. And we, we read it in Psalm this morning, the Psalm 47. God is on the throne. Meaning that He is King over all things. He has control over all things, everything. And as a, as a, a person who believes in Jesus and, and believes in God, then why we ought to give back to him those things that are our concerns. 
It's easy to seek the physical things. It's easy to set your mind on the things of the earth. It's easy to look at the things that are seen. But God wants us to focus on the spiritual. Romans 8 says this, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual, spiritually minded is life and peace. Now I would agree with this verse. Because when you think of the things of the world, when you get so wrapped up in the concerns of the things that you see, it brings a lot of torment, a lot of distress. It brings stress. But here in God's Word, we're told that to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But to be carnally minded is death. Paul continues in verse 7 of Romans, and he says that Romans 8, he says, because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Why does God want us to, uh, to, to think spiritually, to focus on the spiritual? First reason is this, if you're physical minded, then that is death minded. God wants man to have life. Therefore, be spiritually minded. Why else would you want to be spiritually minded? Well, because it brings life and peace. Peace. I think peace is something that all man desires. What is true peace? Well, peace is God. Not necessarily like, I'm at peace, like nothing's bothering me, you know? Second reason is this, to be physically minded is to be an enmity against God, meaning that you are opposed to God. To be physically minded means that you are opposed to God. If you're thinking of the things of the earth, you are opposed to God. To be physically minded, one cannot please God. And so all the times that we're focusing, all the times that I'm focused on myself, I am not pleasing God. Because He desires all our praise, all of our, all of our thoughts. What is the, what did Jesus say the greatest commandment was, church? To love God with what? With what? Oh, in your mind. Your heart, your soul, and your mind. And so when you're not loving God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, you are not fulfilling what Christ said is the greatest commandment. I'm not doing that when I think of myself. And that verse pierced my heart. Because I want to please God. I want to please my Lord. Here's a good reason not to be physically minded. You will not face destruction. Paul tells us this, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, crying, he's telling you crying, that there are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind, catch this, on earthly things. Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 through 19. He's, he's, he's delivering this message crying. Because the reality is, is that we can all fall into this thought process. 
We can all fall into the, to the thought process of feeding ourselves. That the God that we look after is the God of ourselves. Feeding ourselves and our bellies. Who set our minds on earthly things. Well, how does one fall, how does one not fall into being physically minded? Well, Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul says to put to death your members, your, your flesh. I mean, because he continues to say in verses 8 and 9 of Colossians 3, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, ready? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Christian, we are called to put off our old self, our old flesh. We are a new creation. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. Therefore, put away the old. The old man would look to the things of the earth. But the new man is called to look to the things of above and seeking first the kingdom of God. And to those who don't have a relationship with Christ, what an incentive. Because continuing to live for the world and live for yourself is death. But to live for Jesus Christ brings life and peace through him. The Apostle Paul, imagine this, struggled with this. Putting off the old man. The Apostle Paul, can you believe that? The mighty Apostle Paul. He said this in Romans 7. So if you think that, oh man, I'm I'm a... and a different island. I'm in the land of misfits because it's so hard to put off the flesh. You're not alone. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 7. For we know, if you want to turn with me, you can. Romans 7, beginning in verse 14. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Who can relate already in verse 14? If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present within me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Here it is, you guys. 
I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then when with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Man, if Paul couldn't describe it any better than that, right? He couldn't. It's because the Holy Spirit spoke through Paul. God understands that we struggle. I mean, he's got to understand. He's all-knowing. And here, the Apostle Paul is saying, the things that I want to do, I want to live a righteous life. I want to think of things of above, but I seem to do, I can't do those things. I do this, this sin. That's what I do. And so there's a war going on with inside of you. You're not alone with this war. This is very encouraging to me because I look at Paul and I'm thinking, this guy pretty much wrote the whole New Testament in a sense, right? But yet he is saying, he is, he is crying out in a sense, saying, I, I will not to do these things, but I do them. Who, who can save a wretched man that I am? The humility in Paul. But he says, though, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ can save you. He is the, he is the man. <laughs> he is the one who makes it happen. He is the one who is, gives you the ability to be spiritually minded. Because of Jesus, we can please God. Think about that. Because of Jesus, you can please God. Not by yourself. You can't please God. But through Jesus Christ, you can. So the concluding thought at this first couple verses, as Jesus was saying, you know, the people are focusing on the physical. I would agree with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, when he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Instead of thinking and building this kingdom around us that we see physically, let's remember where we should be focusing and building the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Because that's where your treasure is at, is where your heart is at. So moving forward, as Jesus then asks them or he responds back to them, we will see that he declares himself the bread of heaven. A huge statement by Jesus, as we will see in verses 27 through 40. Jesus continued to say, he says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That's all the time we have for today on Grace to the Hearers. Thank you for joining us for our verse-by-verse study through the book of John. 
Pastor Eric Kluth will continue this series on the next edition of Grace to the Hearers. But right now, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message free of charge. Just send us an email at info at gracetothehearers.com. That's info at gracetothehearers.com. Be sure to mention today's date. We'd also like to invite you to learn more about Grace to the Hearers by visiting our website at gracetothehearers.com. You'll discover Pastor Eric's heart for this ministry and also find out about more places you can listen to sound, biblical teachings like this one. There are also resources available to enhance your own time studying the Word of God. That's all at gracetothehearers.com. Well, we are so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you. We hope that it's not your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible reminds us frequently of the importance of a church community, and we also encourage you to find a church family to support you in your walk with Jesus. If you happen to be in the Coolidge area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel Coolidge. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m., and you'll find our location information and directions at our website, gracetothehearers.com. We do hope you've been blessed by Pastor Eric's message today from the book of John. Join us again as we continue to look deeper into the Word, right here on Grace to the Hearers.